Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, uh, joined this week, as always, by Matthew Chandler. And uh, we got another RBM contributor, Tom Mallows on. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm good. Cheers. Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back, Tom. And, you know, it's always good to have, uh, you know, be able to talk about these things after a win. Of course, uh, this one probably, I guess, one of the more comfortable ones we've seen in, in recent uh, memory this season. Um, you know, 3-0 three, three over Sheffield Wednesday. Um, bunch of changes. Olsen uh, in for Pickford. Coleman in for Keane. Uh, Gomez for Davies. Richarlison for Dean uh, on that left wing. Um, and then, of course, Calvert-Lewin up top for Iwobi. Calvert-Lewin scores for the first time in six games. Um, Charleston gets on the score sheet as well. And then Mina three minutes after him um, for, again, a, a pretty comfortable win. Tom, we'll start with you. What did you think of, of this one? It, it was very un-Everton-like, and it was just exactly as we wanted it to be in the first place. It was everything that the Rotherham game at the start of the month wasn't. Um, I never felt at any time that Everton weren't in control. And even if Sheffield Wednesday had, had maybe stepped up or got a goal, you just felt that they still had a, had a couple more gears. So it's just, it's just absolutely perfect. You know, Calvert-Lewin scoring after you know, he'd gone a few weeks without a goal, giving players a bit of time, even got the youngsters on at the end when the game was finished. So it's, it's just absolutely perfect. Great professional job. Um, played a few players into form as well. And it's just a perfect start to what is really crucial two-week period with some big games coming up. So, yeah, it was just unusually one of those games where I wasn't actually that worried. <laughs> Usually, like, they stress you out. That, that Rotherham game, again, it was just it was just, just uh, chalk and cheese how different it was. So, yeah, no, well well done to Everton on that one. Matthew, how about you? What you, would you think? It was probably, I think, probably the best Everton have played for a whole game since maybe, like, I don't know, maybe the Brighton game in October or the West Brom game. Just like from a like an attacking perspective, I know we've had games where we've won and defended really well, but probably the most enjoyable Everton game since then, maybe. Um, I thought that we just looked, you know, totally in control from the first from the first minute. And you know, Wednesday are not particularly in a, in a great place, but they're neither were Rotherham. If you look at look at where they were when we played them as well, so um, I didn't think Wednesday played particularly badly either. I didn't think they made it necessarily easy for us. I just thought um we we asserted our sort of superiority and our, our dominance over them and, and and um just made it very comfortable for ourselves. I thought Amos Rodriguez was obviously you know, a standout player, but I also thought you know it's it was probably it was important I think for Calvert Lewin and Richardson as well to score again. Um just to and also to get him playing, I think as well, because I think had he thrown Calvert Lewin back in for the Leicester game, you may be you may be asking a bit more of him to get back up to speed. But now he's got ninety minutes under his belt and got a goal against against his uh, his boyhood team's rivals. I think that'll do him do him good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't really have any complaints about this game. To be honest, it was the most comfortable and most relaxed I felt watching Everton for for a long time. It was very obvious, I think that. Things had been said about the Rotherham game, I think, and maybe, maybe sort of heeded the warnings that we got from that game about, you know, if you if you don't play, I think he said in his press conference in the old Friday that, you know, you get a lot of shocks in the FA Cup, and that's that's one of the things that 
people love about this competition, but you don't want to be the sort of the negative shock or the one the one on the on the wrong end of a shock and, and it felt to me like he made it very uh, obvious how how blue power even were against Rotherham and, and that, that couldn't happen again and we, we were much improved on Sunday as a result I think of that. Yeah. Um I think like you guys have both mentioned you know probably one of the more comfortable wins we've seen in um in recent memory with this Everton squad. Um you know, it, just watching, it, it was just dominance the whole game going forward. Tons of chances. Um, and you just knew that they were going to get a second. Um, and after Richarlison scored, it, it kind of just started to pile on in the sense that, you know, of course you get Mina three minutes later, then you almost get another goal a few minutes after that. Um, it kind of opened the floodgates there. Um, you know, there were some times where, uh, Sheffield Wednesday were, you know, attacking down that right side, specifically with, I think, Harris. It was Kadeem Harris yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, down Kadeem that right Harris. side. Um, but, you know, handled well. Of course, Ben Godfrey with another fantastic game at left back. I mean, he's been so good at every position that he's played. Looked every bit, uh, you know, worth the 20 million pounds that we uh, spent on him, which, you know, Looks like it's we got him on the cheap there for the way he's been playing. Uh, what have you guys thought on on Godfrey and really where his best position is because he's played all over the pitch. I think um, the the good thing about Godfrey on Sunday was he looked a lot more. I mean, he's always looked like a natural fit there, but he was never like wasn't any fuss about his performance. He looked like he was kind of in his element playing at left back, which is. Surprising, given he barely played there before this season. But I think there was one early tackle he put in, and then there was another. There was another incident quite soon after that where he just kind of, uh, you know, ushered the ball out of play and stopped. It might have been Harris or another Wednesday's players from getting getting the ball and just letting it go out for a goal kick, which was, you know, it was just intelligent defending. Um, it's it's hard for Godfrey because he like um, he kind of. I think wants to be a centre back or thinks he thinks he's a centre back, and that's that's where he where he shone for Norwich when they went up, and obviously where he played for their their Premier League campaign last season. But um, I think his versatility is not like um, I think it's a bad thing that he, that he we don't know where his best position is yet because like say with say with like Tom Davies. Where people say they don't they don't really know what kind of midfielder Tom Davies is yet. That's that's more because he hasn't really impressed, I think, in any of the in, in a lot of games that he's had, a lot of different roles that he's had. Whereas I think with Godfrey, he's he's been he's been so impressive when he's played left back. He's looked comfortable at right back, he's looked comfortable in defensive midfield, not with us, but at like lower the lower leagues. He's looked, he's he's done well at centre back. So I think it's probably a nicer problem to have. I think it's quite hard to kind of compromise Luca Dean's position because of how good Luca Dean is at left back as well. But I think you know you can certainly look at playing Godfrey in defensive midfield or or maybe even right back um, because I, I thought Michael Keane and Yerry Mina, although they didn't have a lot to do, I thought thought um, so. It wasn't Keane and Mina, was it? It was uh, Holgate and Mina. I thought you know I think Mina as particularly has has really improved. Lately, and that partnership with Keane, despite them both being kind of similarly sluggish, seems to be Evans' best 
uh, defensive centre-back partnership, so I can't see Godfrey kind of breaking in there. Um, but he gives us a lot of options just with, just with how how adept he is at playing in a range of positions. So I don't know whether it will be left back for a lot longer if Dean's back, but I think we certainly know he can do a very good job wherever he plays. So um, I don't think it's, yeah, it's not a bad problem to have, is it? No, not at all. I think, like you said, with Davies, it's kind of a similar situation, or it's a, or excuse me, it's a little bit of different situation uh, in the sense that, um, you know, obviously uh, with Godfrey, he could play so many different positions well, uh, whereas Davies, you're not sure exactly what type of midfielder he is and where he fits best because he hasn't been consistent, like you said. So, um, you know, really good situation to have with um, with Godfrey. Tom, what what do you think about Godfrey? He's definitely been one of the real surprises and absolute bonus for, for Ancelotti this season. It reminds me a bit of when Everton first signed Julian Lescott and he played left-back for most of his first season before Leighton Baines settled in and then eventually uh, he slotted into the left side of the defence. And I think that's the same. He's learning quickly, uh, playing wherever he he's told and he's doing a job but I think eventually he, he will go back into the centre but I can't the only really poor game I remember I think was maybe the Southampton game when he was that was one of his first games at right back where he did struggle a little bit but we were we were outplayed I think everyone everyone had a bad game that day didn't they I think really it wasn't yeah so I, it, it, yeah he wasn't alone he wasn't as if he was the only yeah. one who had a stinker and then since then he's been so solid it's it's almost undroppable because you just think if there's a position in the defence available, then he needs to he needs to be in there. Um, so I, again, I would I wouldn't be surprised if he's maybe in at left back again on Wednesday if Dean comes back and maybe pushes him further forward like they did at Wolves a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Ancelotti handles this. And if you guys want to read more about you know uh, Matthew's opinions on Godfrey, he he also wrote an article. Uh, for Royal Blue Mersey um, on the website. It's called uh, Irrepressible. Ben Godfrey gives Ancelotti a welcome headache. Um, you know, good dive into um, kind of Ancelotti, or uh, excuse me, Ben Godfrey and his success so far at Everton. Um, but, you know, while Everton have had a lot of youngsters on the pitch, um, they did bring a couple on in the uh, Sheffield Wednesday game to kind of finish out the game. Uh, first off, Terry is it Terry? Terry. Terry yeah. Small became, uh, became the uh, Everton's youngest ever player to uh, play in a competitive uh, first-team game at 16 years, 176 days. If I'm not mistaken, that replaces Jose Baxter, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and then, of course, Tyler Onyango, who is 17, I believe, um, also made his debut. I mean – not much we could tell from the, you know, 10, 15 minutes that they did play, but, you know, good getting in the, them in the game nonetheless. Uh, right, Matthew? Uh, yeah, it was nice to see it, especially at the end. We had Small, Onyango, and uh, John Duke Kenny and Anthony Gordon on the pitch at the same time, which, um, you know, as an as a, as a Everton, you always want to see kind of your own player going through and um it was a nice way to finish off what was you know a very enjoyable game. Um obviously Small and Younger didn't have a lot of time to make an impact or you know sort of make a claim like man of the match or anything like that. But I thought 
surprised how sort of physically well built Small is um, not just because not just because of his name, but because of how young he is as well. He's you know quite a big, he was quite a big fella for his age, um, and he scored last night, didn't he, for the other twenty threes in last against Leicester in their win. So, um, which I think Onyango played in as well, didn't he? So <laughs> pretty, pretty pretty mad twenty four hours. They must be knackered now. Um, but yeah, no, it's just good to see more young players coming through, and and I think. I think it probably shows that, like, you know, people have said whether Ancelotti trusts young players because of, like, the way he's kind of used people like Niels and Kunku quite sparingly. But I think the fact that he's played people like Branthwaite and the fact that he, even Godfrey is only, what, 22, the fact he's played him so consistently as well, the fact he's given Gordon minutes, the fact he's now given small non-younger minutes, I think it says to me that he does have a lot of faith in our you in our kids as long as he thinks that they're ready to to play and I think um you know hopefully hopefully we'll see more of these because you know especially small to be to be in the um in the under 23s at 16 is it's not bad going is it so um please to them obviously like I said they didn't didn't particularly stand out in the in their sort of play they didn't have a lot of time to do so and the game was kind of dead at that point anyway wasn't it so um but yeah it's just nice to see more kids get out Get minutes really, and that, that record be broken as well it was great. Tom, how about you? Yeah, certainly. Say, looking at them physically, you don't think they're going to have an issue with adapting to to senior football. So it's probably just a case of experience and getting a bit of confidence. So even 15, 20 minute games like that, it's just perfect for them just to settle down. And um, yeah, it's great to see, and it's the message it sends out as well. If you look at sort of the overarching transfer strategy that we need, we've got Marcel Brands. When he goes out and tries to sign young players, he needs to sell them, you know, the vision that and the advantage that we may have above some of the other, you know, teams at the top of the Premier League is that pathway. You know, Evan, I've heard Marcel Brands talking about that. You know, the pathway before he can go to a young player, he may have an interest from, you know, Chelsea or Liverpool or Manchester United, and say, well, look, you come here, you work hard, then the chance to play first team football is there. So it's it was great for for the players themselves, but it's it's good for the club as well. It sends out a positive message for any young players that if you are good enough, you will get a chance. And they could save us a lot of money going forward as well. As you say, that's 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 what what it's there for. So um, yeah, no, it was, it was great, and that's why I'm glad we finished the game off early because I'm sure um, they wouldn't have come on had it been sort of one nil with. Five ten minutes to go. So um, yeah, yeah it's just a really great end to to Sunday's match, and yeah, can only be a good thing um, going forward. And as you say, we're talking about how big um, both players were. It reminds me of Wayne Rooney when he came through. He he was technically a boy, but he he was he was as strong as a man. Like he was pushing off defenders, and that's at that age, that's you know real advantage. So it's for them if they've shown technically they're good enough. You know, physically they look strong enough so it's just a case of them settling down and getting used to it so I wouldn't be surprised if we see him again before the end of the season yeah no really good stuff um of course just great seeing them you hear so much about these players especially Thierry Small I feel like we've heard a lot about him in recent recent weeks so um good to see them them you know get on the pitch and in, in a first team match like that um just a couple other things by the numbers um Pete's of course Pete's five telling stats um, you know, first, of course, Dom, we've talked about him already, but his 15th goal of the season since Ancelotti took over the only, um, 
you know, the only English player with more goals in all competitions uh, is Harry Kane, of course, who has 28. Dom has 23 since Ancelotti took over. Um, You know, of course, he's been fantastic for Everton and just been a goal-scoring machine. And it's good to see him get off that little slump he had going there, hadn't scored in six, so so good for him. Um, Of course, Rodriguez assisting more. Um, He he is the only player who has more – only Premier League players who have more assists than him in cup matches um, are Fernandez um, and and Harry Kane. Um, those are uh, uh, excuse me um, assists and goals at at home. Um, and then Everton have been winning sixty five percent win rates in twenty 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 one, which is um, significantly better. Then um, last season, they've won 15 of their 23 matches in all competitions, um, which is only one less than the Toffees managed uh, throughout all of last season. They had 16 out of 43 attempts for 37% um, win percentage. So really good things. Um, things are looking up for the Toffees. A uh, lot, lot, lot coming up, though. A very difficult uh, couple weeks coming up, and we'll talk about that in a, a little bit. But let's take a quick break, um, and coming up after that, we'll talk some Everton news. All right, we're back with some Everton news, kind of breaking down some of the um, you know little transfer things that have happened and, and things that have happened with some of the loanees. Um, first off, Ella Sims was loaned to Blackpool. He made his debut from the bench versus Brighton in the FA Cup um, on Saturday. They lost 2-1. to one. He didn't score. Um, Blackpool are currently 16th in League One. Um, Tom, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this loan move for uh, Sims? It's perfect. It's just exactly what he needs. If He's, he's not going to get first-team football at Everton yet or they don't feel he's ready, then he's got to be playing competitive football at this stage is created. I just under twenty three three football can only develop a player so much. So it's the um yeah, it's the ideal move to him. He's playing um in a competitive league against senior players. I did watch I watched the the Brighton Blackpool game to check out how he did and to be honest he didn't actually touch the ball that much when he came on, but difficult against Premier League team. So you'd only really get to judge once the league games kick off. But yeah again that's exactly the sort of move. See how he does um for six months. And, you know, if he's done really well, then he could be into the squad, first team squad for next season, or maybe you know, spend a year out on loan somewhere. But, um, yeah, Blackpool have done as well before. I think going back 10 years or so, Seamus Coleman spent, um, I think it's over a year or six months at Blackpool, got them to help them get to the playoff final, and he came back and he never looked back. So, you know, maybe we'll have a similar look again. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any downsides to the move at all if he's going to play week in week out so um yeah real good for his development development and see where he is in the summer Matthew how about you I think I think um <clears throat> I think it's good that he is getting first team football obviously because like Tom said you can only learn so much about a player who plays in the under 23s I mean his record is very good I mean he's got um, he got eight goals and twelve for the under twenty threes this year. He got thirty two and twenty one for the under eighteens two years ago. So um, he's clearly too good for that level. Um, I guess it's it's quite hard to know what level he's at. I mean, it's quite hard to know what level he's at without having seen him play like senior football. So 
I think in terms of finishing, it's probably already good enough to be an Everton squad, but like you want that more so all-round game, which hopefully will develop more at Blackpool. Um, I think it's a good club to go to in terms of he'll get opportunities and their manager, um, Neil Critchley, was Liverpool's under-23s boss before before taking the Blackpool job. So he's got a lot of experience working with with uh, with younger players as well. Um, so yeah, I hope... Like, I'm not saying he's not good enough for that level. Or he might be too good. He might he might not make much of an impact. It's hard to know when he's played such little like senior football. Um, but it's certainly more beneficial for him to go there than it would be to... I think stay at Everton under 23s and and score and do well, but then not really learn anything new about him. So um, fingers crossed, he gets a lot of opportunities there and a lot of goals as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a good move for him. Uh, like you guys said, uh, the under 23s can only get you so far. Um, he needs to start playing competitive football for you know a, a, a you know a first team, a, you know uh, whether it's in League One or the Championship or whatnot. I think this will be a good move for him. Um, you know, Blackpool is currently in 16th, so maybe get some chances to, um, a bunch of chances to really prove himself. And, you know, hey, we want him to go out there and score, you know, a ton of goals and look like he's, you know, overmatched because that just, just helps. Yeah. Or, excuse me, it looks like he's, you know, um, I guess undermatched. Um, yeah. Also, I would just say, that, like, I think, um, I don't think, like, you should write, players off at a certain age because some players like develop later than others but especially when you see people like Terry Small making his debut at 16 and that, and and you know um, the kind of the general age now where I think like the best like young talent break through to the first team I think Sims is 20 so I don't I don't know how how much longer you can you can really wait for him to make a make like to break through um, to Evans' first team, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's, like he's passed it. He hasn't had a chance, obviously, has he? Apart from being on the, he's been on the subs bench a few times, um, but maybe kind of feels a bit like a sort of now or never moment for him because, like I said, he needs that loan to prove himself beyond just playing reserve football. Um, and he's not that young that he's got loads of time on his side. I think to make an impression at Everton. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, good point there. Um, you know, we, he's got to make an impression soon or else, uh, you know, the time is run, the time's running out. Um, cause you know, he, he probably, if he doesn't get loaned out, he might've gotten a shot in this, in this game, replacing Calvert-Lewin. Obviously we saw Calvert-Lewin get taken off early, so who knows? Um, but the other loanee, uh, obviously Branthwaite loaned to Blackburn, um, a little crazy situation with him. He's played a couple games there already cause he was loaned, um, you know, uh, not this past week, but before that, um, earlier this month. Uh, but a crazy situation with him. He puts in a tackle, ends up injuring a player this weekend in, in Blackburn's match. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know who they were playing. Um, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. They won one now. Middlesbrough. They win one, one, one nothing. Um, but he injures a player, and then he earns a nice talking to from Neil Warnock after the game. Um, obviously Warnock upset apparently with Branthwaite for injuring the player. What were you guys thoughts on kind of this whole altercation or I guess it wasn't really an altercation because Branthwaite didn't yeah. really go back at him. <laughs> it's, just, it's just classic Neil Warnock. He's not going to change anymore. And looking at Branthwaite's reaction, I think he reacted exactly as he should just let Warnock 
spout off and have a moan. I looked at the incident and it did look, it did obviously injure the player and it possibly was a, a penalty as well. I can understand why Neil Wallach was frustrated at that because it was quite a high boot. But Bramford, looking at the replay, wasn't looking at the player. He was going for the ball and then the, the player also ducked in slightly. So it wasn't as if he saw the guy's head and went for him. Um, so to sort of accuse Bramford of... He said he could have blinded him or... He said he nearly took his eye out, didn't he? He said he's like an inch away from taking his eye out. It's a bit... Reminds like echoes of Sir Alex Ferguson. He said someone could have killed Robin Van Persie when he had a football no, at him. No, it was Ashley Williams. Wasn't it? Williams. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like players get injured in football, as, as we've heard, have experience of this season at the, uh, at the very least. So it's, uh, I think Warnock just... He, you know what he's like now. He wears his heart on his sleeve and he just goes on. And I think Bramfate reacted exactly the right way. Just let him moan off, don't get involved. And I don't think it should affect his game um, in any way. It was maybe he got lucky and it should have been a penalty, but it wasn't a terrible challenge. He, just, he was going for the ball, maybe it was a bit high. The other guy went in and he, he caught him. So um, I didn't see the rest of the game, um, but I know after his first match, looking at some of the comments from Blackburn fans, they were impressed about how well he did. So. Um, he should just keep on going as he is. And again, I think talking about Ellis Sims, this is a perfect low move for, for Brown Freight as well. Um, he's got to be playing regularly. So again, if he plays week in, week out, and then he can try and break in um, to the, the squad next season. But I have to say, actually, centre-backs haven't been looking... Well, that's the strongest area of the squad we've got, really, if you consider he's out on loan to talk about Godfrey earlier and Keemin and Holgate. So he will have a challenge to, to fight his way in. Um, I think he's good enough, judging by what we've seen. Um, but whether he needs to stay out on loan, maybe for the first half of next season as well, just to keep playing, to keep up his momentum, and then maybe come back a little bit later on. Tony Mowbray, the Blackbird manager, was very uh, very complimentary about him after this game as well. And he said that like he likes him a lot, but he can also see flaws in his game and where he needs to improve, which I think will will only help Brantway if if they get ironed out in the time that he's at Blackburn. Um, I don't. Yeah, he was. He got away with the with the tackle, didn't he? Because it was you know mistimed. But then I don't. I don't think there's certainly no like there's no malice or there's no intent in it. You know, it was just very silly. A very, very, you know, misguided uh, attempt to win the ball, I think. But I, mean, I like I like Neil Warnock, but I get I I completely get why other people don't. And you know, to to shout at an eighteen year old kid, he's <laughs> clearly not done it on purpose. You know, calling him a disgrace or whatever it was, you know. But I thought Brantway handled that pretty well, and and you know didn't retaliate or. You know, sort of kind of laughed it off a bit, which was nice, nice to see. Um, and yeah, I mean, Blackburn have started quite well, I think, haven't they? I think they've, they've drawn and won since Brantwaite came in, which, um, you know, and he's played, he started both games, I think, hasn't he? So um, it's good for him. I like, it's like Sims, you know, I think Brantwaite, I, I don't know about Sims because we haven't seen enough of him, like at senior level. But I've seen enough of Bramfield already to think that he can make it Everton. Um, but like like Sims, it's certainly it's he's better served being there than he would be sitting on Everton's bench. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with Branthway too, it's you know he's kind of in the perfect age because yes, Everton are, are very deep at centre back. Um, he's going to have a challenge, obviously, because. 
of Holgate and Godfrey being so young. Um, but of course, you know, Keen and, and Mina are not, are not young. So, you know, he's kind of in that position to kind of fill one of those roles um, coming in and just hopefully he, you know, he, at the worst he come you know obviously it doesn't work out but hopefully he comes in and you know if we have to you know sell him because for some reason he doesn't fit in the squad or you know um you know for some reason or other you know that's okay too but hopefully he can um you know do well at Blackburn um and just continue this trajectory that he's kind of had since he came on to the scene under Ancelotti I think during the the restart um and and kind of impressed some of us during that so um, good for good for Branthwaite there um, and, and his performances at Blackburn. Also, before we move on, um, we're going to take a quick break, but I forgot to mention this in the first uh, segment. Obviously, Tottenham will be Everton's next home game or yeah. next game in the FA Cup. That'll be in the week commencing February 8th at home. So um, the first real difficult test of the FA Cup. Um, it's going to be... Your brother was pretty hot. You know? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What should have been the first, what should be the first real test of the FA Cup, um, but hey, if you gotta, if you want to win the tour, if you want to win the trophy, you have to beat the good team. So, um, you know, Everton have already beaten Tottenham once this season, so hopefully they can they can pull that out again. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, but after that, we're gonna come back and preview Everton's next two matches um, against Leicester and Newcastle. All right, we're back and talking uh, Leicester and Newcastle, uh, Everton's next two matches. Leicester will be um, – we're recording on Tuesday, January 26th, so Leicester will be tomorrow, Wednesday, January 27th at uh, 8.15 over in England, 3.15 p.m. over here on the East Coast. Um, and then, of course, Everton take on Newcastle on Saturday, January 30th. That's a nice bright and early for one for us here on the East Coast and in, and in America, 7.30 a.m. for us, but um, over in England, it's 12.30 p.m. Um, I think the big news for the Leicester match really is no decore for Leicester because he was banned for getting five yellows um, over the course of the first half of the season. Um, Matthew, we'll start with you. Who do you look uh, to as a replacement for him in this one? Well, it's not, I guess this first thing is, is like it's not just Decore, it's him and Alan, and both of them together are have been such a kind of immovable force in Everton's midfield that I just think um, I think Decore has done well without Alan, but when, when you take both of them out, it will be um, interesting. Is maybe like the diplomatic word to describe it, but you know, uh, interesting to see how Everton's midfield copes without both of them. Because I don't think they've, I don't think both of them have missed the same match all season. Have they? I think Decore, at least one of them, has played pretty much every game, um, apart from maybe the cup games. Uh, so I think there's probably two places up for grabs here. Um, I would imagine Sigurdsson will start. I think I I would probably play Tom Davies in this one, and and maybe Ben Godfrey. I think. I'm not. I know Andre Gomez has been better the last kind of game and a half. You know, he came off the bench against Wolves and did well. He was good on uh, on Sunday. Did he get an assist? I think he, did he get an assist for yeah? He had on the first yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's got two assists now, hasn't he? Because he assisted Michael Keane's 
winner at Wolves. <coughs> winner at Wolves. Um, but I just think against against a team that will probably press us as hard as Leicester will, and are as uh, kind of relentless as Leicester can be sometimes, especially away where their record is very good. I think they've won seven out of nine this season. I don't know whether Gomez is is the best suited to that kind of game. Um, so I would probably look at playing Davies with Godfrey and moving Dean back to left left back. And then that allows the, the three. I, I think you can play Dean on the wing, but I think that allows the three, the front three that work so well at the start of the season to, to link up again uh, in uh, Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison and Rodriguez. The only other thing I would, I would say you could maybe do is look at doing is maybe going 4-4-2, which obviously worked for kind of the first half of Ancelotti's uh, reign last season, um, where, you know, you have Richardson and Calvert-Lewin up front, maybe stick with the same back four that's worked and maybe play Dean and Rodriguez on the wings there. But I'm not sure whether playing a midfield two against Leicester will, again, leave us too open or not. Um, I would probably stick with the four-three-three and play Davies and Godfrey behind Sigurdsson, uh, just because I think Godfrey can do a job there. Um, I wouldn't. I, I know there's, a, there's an argument you could play Holgate in midfield, but I, I don't. I'd rather stick Holgate right back than Coleman because I think Coleman hasn't played a lot of football lately. Holgate has done well there. And I don't think Coleman has, has really looked as anywhere near as good as he did at the start of the season since he's been injured. So for me, it would be Godfrey, um, Davies and Sigurdsson in that midfield three. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Gomez, um, you know, Leicester is big on the counterattack and Gomez is not fast. So, um, you know, having him and Sigurdsson in the midfield might might be a problem too. So, um, Tom, what do you think about this situation? It is it is a big concern because, um, particularly during the restart, uh, you know we looked okay in defence and scoring goals up front, but then it was just absolutely nothing in midfield at all, and that's why Decore and Allen came in and did such a good job. So for both of them to be out is a real worry, particularly when you look at Leicester's midfield. As you say, like indeed Madison's playing so well at the moment. Um, judging by what Carlo Ancelotti said. In his uh, news conference, you know, just after we, when we were recording this, it was only sort of an hour or so ago. I think he'll probably put Tom Davis in um, and keep Godfrey where he is. But I could see the the merits in um, in playing Godfrey in there. I think the the, the Wobbly Mersey team we had on our on our Slack channel. We've already had a chat about this. You know, he's played there in the lower leagues before. He's done a job um, wherever he's played for Everton this season. So. You know, that that means he might he might do well in midfield, but would Ancelotti throw him in against such a you know a good team as Leicester? I'm not so sure. So I think he'll probably stick with Sigerson, Davis, and Gomez. Um, and I think Matthew made a good point, as in the, the Sheffield Wednesday game, that Charleston, Calvert Lewin, and Rodriguez. That was the sort of attacking performance we saw at the start of the season in the first few weeks when we were scoring so many goals. So. Mm. You won't want to break that up. Um, so I think maybe yeah, that's what he'll do and he'll bring Dini back on the left to give us something going forward and a bit of width. Um, but yeah, my, 
without Ducoy and Allen, <laughs> my confidence for this game has sort of seeped out. And I'm probably always a bit pessimistic anyway. But yeah, midfield is a real worry, I think. Um, Ducoy is going to be a big miss. Yeah. yeah we, did, we did beat... I'm sure, I just looked at the team we beat Leicester with last season in, uh, the, after the restart. And oh, we, had, we played 4-4-2 that day with a midfield of Sigurdsson, Gomez, Gordon and Iwobi. So... I mean, we got battered in that game in the second half, I remember, but um, I do, do kind of think with Leicester that as good, as good a team as they are and as good as their individual players are, I do kind of feel like if you nullify Jamie Vardy and keep him quiet, um, then you, you do really kind of put a spanner in the works for them. And, and obviously, Vardy is a player that Michael Keane has had a lot of issues with in the past, but I think I'm sure he'll be more relieved than anyone that that uh, Vardy's injured for tomorrow's game. Um, but I think, in a way, like the fact that we beat Leicester with such a kind of, um, sort of, you know, under par midfield at that game makes me think, you know, we could probably do it again with, with, with what we've got. You've also got it will be back as well. Um, so whether he plays maybe on the right, where he played before he got injured, or maybe in a more like central forward role, um, have to wait and see, but um, I just I think God I would go for Godfrey over Holgate if it was to be one of those two, just because I think Holgate isn't slow. But I just think Godfrey's like recovery pace is so much so much faster, and um, I think he's a bit more aggressive in the tackle, which I think will suit that kind of position more. Um, and like I said, I think Holgate's. Hoggett's done really well at right back, so I don't see the need to to shift him out to maybe put Seamus Coleman in there. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he lines up. Um, it's it's going to be tough. Without DeCorey and Allen, it's, it's, you know, like you guys have said, um, you know, one of them has, at least one of them has played in basically every game. Um, except for maybe some of the early, early uh, League Cup games. But um, they've been fantastic. And, and you know, it, it's going to be a difficult decision. Um, but if anything, if we know anything, we just have to trust Ancelotti because for the most part, other than maybe a couple games this season, he's gotten it right and figured it out, even with the injuries and whatnot. So um, we'll see how it plays out, um, you know, uh, if we see Godfrey, that would be cool. But I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with Tom. I'm not sure we see him in this. I, I think he probably goes with um, the other three, the Gomez, Sigurdsson, Davies, some combination of them, or if they go to two um, or, or those three in the, in the midfield. Um, we've kind of talked about Leicester already, so let's talk a little about Newcastle. What are you guys' thoughts on Newcastle uh, going into that game on Saturday? Matthew? Dream embarrassment that we got beat by them with the other game. <laughs> I think um, they're so they are so. Um, I don't even know if they're bad. They're just very dull. I think that they're not. You know, there's obviously a lot of uh, unrest there with the fans and uh, with towards Steve Bruce especially, but also obviously towards the ownership. Um, they just look like a team that's kind of going through the motions at the moment. They've, they've not scored for a few games, have they? Let alone what they, have, they haven't won in eight. They haven't scored in like four, I think. Um, 
Yeah, four so, games. So I think they've had a bit of problems with COVID, haven't they? I think Sam Maximan had kind of a longer period of, of suffering from COVID than most people have, have got. So that doesn't help because he's such an important player for them. Um, but I mean, our last two games against Newcastle was that defeat in November, then the 2 2 draw when we tuned up with a minute left. So we got some we got some wrongs to right in this game. Um I I'm not worried about this game at all, to be honest. It's the kind of game that I would have worried about maybe in previous years, you know, as a potential banana skin for Everton. But um this is probably as nice a game as you could hope for in such a busy period as well. Um my only kind of gripe with this game is that it's an early Saturday kickoff because these are the <laughs> It seems to be the games that Evans struggle to get up for a bit more. <laughs> um, not that they need waking up a bit. But, yeah, I mean, if, if we don't beat Newcastle, I don't think we, these are the kind of games you have you absolutely have to win. I know, I know they always say, you know, if you beat the teams around you, then that then that sh- should um, see you over the line. But I think you ha- these, are the, these are like the most winnable games in the league. And you've got to win these if you want to be serious about qualifying for... Europa or even the Champions League, so um, I wouldn't take any. I wouldn't take any risk with the team either with this one. I think um, don't want to leave it to chance, even though yeah, of course we got Leeds the next week and then United straight after. Um, I think you know go full strength. You know, put Newcastle to bed, and then if we're like two or three goals up after an hour, then you can start making changes like you did against um, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but I. For me, I think you've got to look at like a. To be honest, I'd be quite disappointed if we don't win both of these games just because Vardy's out. Just because we got we've got quite a good record against Leicester, we nullified them so well in the reverse fixture last month, and then Newcastle being Newcastle, I expect us to to be there pretty comfortably as well. So, um, I would like I would, I would kind of half expect six points out of six from them for these for these two games. To be honest. Tom, how about you? What do you think? Definitely say, yeah, we owe Newcastle one because that game um, at St. James's Park was by distance the most disappointing performance and result of the season. Um, they are they look like a limited team that are already playing within themselves anyway. I think the way Bruce sets them up, they do have some half-decent attacking players, but they are such a tough watch from what I've seen and that the fans aren't happy and do wonder whether Steve Bruce is going to be in the job for much longer. I think they've got a Leeds tonight. I think that's a huge game for both teams. Who we've got, we've got Leeds next week, so um, that you know that might impact on their sort of confidence going into the game. But it should be uh, should be a, um, a team we should comfortably put in away. The only issue is, is they will probably sit back and defend and make things difficult. So is it going to be a lot of trying to be patient, trying to un- unlock that defence. Um, it was similar at the game in St. James's Park and then what happens, they got a corner, we gave away a stupid foul, they got a penalty and you know, they went in front. If that happens again, then it will become difficult. But the key, and, and if we want to be pushing for Europe and even top four this season, and these are the sort of games that you shouldn't just be winning, but as Matthew said, you should be winning them quickly and early so then you can take players off and you're not stretching and you've got the next game in mind before this one is finished. So, um, yeah, so I'm more confident about this one than, than, than Leicester. It should be one we should, we should be finishing off. Um, at the very least, yeah, we owe them a win after the game at St. James's Park. And then that 
absolute disaster last season. Um, I think it was just coming up to a year ago, just over right. a year. So some saw on Twitter, some people were showing some of the highlights of it, and I still cannot believe. Well, in one way I can't believe, and one way I can. Uh, yeah. Everton managed to throw away the two points in that game. So um, yeah, and Corey will be back for this one, which will be a big different, a big difference. And um, I think Matthew touched on it as well. Like, yes, there's a busy schedule at the moment, but I think you've just got to do it game by game, and then the strongest team for every game that's next. Don't be thinking about what's ahead because it's so unknown at the moment with you know, games getting called off and COVID playing an impact on uh, players and, and all sorts. So just pick the strongest game for every strongest team for every game. Um, and while I'm not as confident about Wednesday night, um, we should get the job done on Saturday. That, that Newcastle game last season, um, I remember me, me and my, me and my uh, granddad normally get up like about a minute or two before full time to leave we don't we don't don't leave we just get up out of our seats so we can get off quicker um but i remember like there was like a minute left and he went to the toilet and he's like he's partially deaf so like when he heard newcastle fans cheering from like in the concourse <laughs> he thought it was he thought it was our fans cheering so i met him outside the crowd afterwards he thought we'd won four <laughs> nil um, <laughs> Yeah, not quite. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think that. I can't see that happening again. Just because I think we are. We actually played really well for like ninety-three minutes of that game, but um, I think we are a much improved team from even then. Because um, you know we're a year a year down the line with Ancelotti, and I think come a long way in that time. And I wouldn't trust us to throw silly points away like that again. Um, so. Like 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 Tom said, I think this is this is one you've you just got to nail down, and because we, we we're going to go from having I think what, one game in a fortnight to something like four games in the next two weeks or two and a half weeks. Yeah, five get five games in the next two and a half weeks, um, and then the Anfield derby straight after that. So um, you don't want you don't want to overwork what is already like quite a stretched squad more than they need to. So. Um, you just need to get the job done, really, and and then go on to to Leeds from there. Yeah, um, you know, of course, the last time we played Newcastle was the five central midfielder. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Experiment by Ancelotti. So, um, hopefully, you know, like you said, Ducori will be back for this one. He'll be fully rested, so um, that'll be nice. Um, do we know if Allen's anywhere near close coming back? Like, does he have a possibility of being back for this one? I think he said February. But I, okay, I think he's so. looking at like the the United game on the suit that gotcha, weekend. Gotcha. Um, still, still, it should be a game. You know, um, a game we should win and, and should come out on top. Um, you know, he'll be back before Gabamon anyway, Jim. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> Gabamon's been coming back for a month and a half now, so. Um, he's been, he's been in individual training since like December 1st. So yeah, who knows? But, um, I know we just, we both, we all said kind of hoping for six or we think six points out of six in this. Um, but you know, obviously a little less confident about Lester. Any predictions on score lines for these two, Matthew? Um, I think two, one tomorrow and two nil on Saturday. I think, I think we'll keep a clean sheet. On Saturday, because I can't see Newcastle offering much to trouble us. Um, although it would be very Everton, wouldn't it, to concede to a team that can't score goals at the moment. Um, 
but no, I, th I think obviously tomorrow will be much, will be looks on paper anyway a much harder game. Um, but I can see us having enough to, to beat Leicester to be honest. Um, like I said, very confident from that two 0 game last month where they didn't really trouble us that much. Um, we kind of kept them at arm's length all game. So another performance like that, I think, would be enough to to win this one. And then Newcastle, yeah, um, I can see a pretty a pretty routine two 0 win. I think. Uh, Tom, yeah, yeah um, I think there'll be goals against Leicester tomorrow. I just think both teams are capable of scoring. Um, yeah, the reverse fixture, I was amazed how comfortable it was. Um, it was one of our best performances, the way we just seemed to control the game. We were never really in any danger. Um, I think it'd be tougher tomorrow because I think Leicester are playing better than they were when we, we did uh, last month. So I think I think they'll be, I think I'll go for 2-2 tomorrow. Um, and then on Saturday, yeah, it would be just a case of getting the job done. And I think I think two 0 as well would be a a, a decent scoreline. They, uh, they haven't they haven't lost Leicester since we beat them, um, and they I said they only they once they battered Man City away, and they've only lost away to Liverpool. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> it, I haven't really, I haven't well, I haven't watched them that much, but whenever I've seen them, they haven't looked. Like a like brilliant team, but they're clearly finding maybe a bit more consistency than mm -hmm. maybe they did last season or um, previous seasons. So it will be a hard game, but I think I I do have confidence in in, in having this in this one to to just do enough. I think. Yeah, um, I I think um, I think in the Leicester one, I, I'm going to go with one one. Um, I could see both sides kind of grinding and out, but but getting getting a goal apiece, um, and that being a draw. Which I, you know, obviously, I think we would all we all want six points, and and think that six points is possible. But even if we got a draw in that, and then won the Newcastle game, that'd still be still be solid. Um, for Newcastle, I'd say three one. Um, I know Newcastle can't score, but I'm going to be less optimistic on us keeping a clean sheet in a Premier League game. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, that's all we got for you guys. Uh, make sure you just continue to subscribe, uh, follow, download, do whatever you got to do to get the podcast, um, on your device. Uh, so you can listen to us week in, week out as we give you, uh, you know, as good of analysis as we possibly can on, on the upcoming games and, and what's happened over the past week. Um, we appreciate you guys, Matthew. Thank you as always for joining us. Um, Tom, thank you, thank you for joining us as well. No problem. Thank you. Um, and to you guys again, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week.